Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Isaac put his love for his son above his love for God and God's word. In some ways, Isaac reminds me of Eli, the high priest in 1 Samuel. Remember Eli, he's got these two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and the two sons are scoundrels. Yet Eli allows them to serve in the tabernacle as priests. And God says to Eli, you honor your sons more than you honor me. That's what Isaac is doing here. Nothing should ever be more important to you in your life than God and maintaining a close relationship with him. As you look at the poor example of Isaac today, putting his son in a place of higher importance than God, Pastor Dan's going to encourage you to make sure your heart keeps God in the place he should have. Number one, the world is full of things to take your attention from God, but he needs to always be the most important to you. Nothing should stand between you and him. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 26 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Genesis 26. We actually have just the last two verses of Genesis 26, and then we're going to go into chapter 27. And we're going to cover all of chapter 27 today, but I'm just going to read through the first 10 verses of the chapter because it's a really long chapter. So, Genesis 26, we're going to look at the last two verses and then go into chapter 27. When Esau was 40 years old, He took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And then he said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt the game and to bring it. And so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, 
I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me the game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat and that he may bless you before his death. Well, here in chapter 27, we have a conflict that arises in Isaac's family. And we have the unhealthy way Isaac's family handles this conflict. You know, every family in the book of Genesis has conflict. I don't know if you've noticed that. Every family in the book of Genesis is dysfunctional in some way, which I suppose can be comforting to us because most, if not all, families have conflict. I don't have to tell you that because you just spent Christmas with your family, so you know what I'm talking about. There's just conflict in families, and there are healthy ways to resolve conflict, and there are unhealthy ways to resolve conflict in families. This conflict in Isaac's family arises over this patriarchal blessing that Isaac attempts to bestow upon his son Esau instead of on Jacob. Now, as you recall, just kind of as a review and a reminder, Esau was the firstborn son. He's the oldest son, but God chose Jacob over Esau back in chapter 25. When Rebekah, the mother, was pregnant, the Lord revealed to Rebekah that she would give birth to twins. And the Lord said, the older will serve the younger, meaning Jacob, not Esau, was the one chosen by God. And through Jacob, the covenant would be fulfilled. So God has revealed this to Rebekah and Isaac. As the firstborn son, Esau had what was called the birthright. And we've talked about this, but the birthright means that the oldest son typically would assume responsibility and leadership in the family. He would be responsible for the physical and spiritual welfare of the family. But if you remember Esau, it said despised the birthright. He didn't want the responsibility. He didn't want to be responsible for leading his family. And so he willingly gave the birthright to Jacob in exchange for a a bowl of soup. If you remember that story, I mean, that's how much he didn't care about his responsibility to his family and his responsibility, his God-given responsibility. We talked all about that back in chapter 25. So what does that mean? That means that Jacob now has the birthright. The birthright belongs to Jacob. Hebrews chapter 12 describes Esau as a profane man or a godless man. That means, you know, he's godless. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about honoring God or pleasing God or what God thinks or what God wants for his life. He was profane. He was godless. Chapter 26 ends by telling us that Esau took two wives from among the Hittites. Esau married a couple pagan girls. 
took them as his wives, you know, as his wives. And this is recorded to emphasize Esau's godlessness. He didn't care what God thought, which is demonstrated by who he married, his choice of wives. If you're single, God cares who you marry. God cares who you marry. Esau also had no regard for what his parents thought. Look at verse 35. Verse 35 tells us Esau's marriages, plural, were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. As parents, Isaac and Rebekah were grieved by the choices their son made for they were brokenhearted. By Esau's decisions, they were brokenhearted by the way he was going in life. Many parents can relate to Isaac and Rebekah. You know, when a couple comes to me seeking to get married, one of the questions I ask the couple is, what do your parents think about you getting married? And what do your parents think about you marrying him? And what do your parents think about you marrying her? And if the parents are grieved or the parents object to the marriage, well, that could indicate that the couple needs to pump the brakes I'm moving forward with the wedding, and let's, you know, let's talk about this and why your parents who know you so well and love you, why do they object to you marrying this person? A lot of times you can, it's a big indicator. On the, on the other hand, the issue could be the, the parents are crazy, right? In that case, let's talk about boundaries uh, with your parents once you're married. Esau here, he demonstrates that he is, number one, he's unwilling, and number two, he is unworthy to serve as the patriarch of the family because he's godless. That brings us now to chapter 27. And in chapter 27, this conflict arises in the family because Isaac now wants to bestow the patriarchal blessing on Esau. Now, the patriarchal blessing is not something that we really have in our culture But the patriarchal blessing was not merely a father saying some encouraging words to his son and wishing him well in the future or something like that. This patriarchal blessing that's described here in chapter 27, this was an official event. This was an official ceremony that included a special meal, as we see in the passage. In this ceremony, the father officially recognizes and affirms the son as the next patriarch of the family and declares a blessing on the son's future. The patriarchal blessing was a big deal in that culture. This father affirming the son, affirming typically the firstborn son as the heir, you know, the next patriarch. And here's the thing. Whoever possesses the birthright was supposed to receive the patriarchal blessing. They go together. Question, who possessed the birthright? Jacob. Jacob possessed the birthright. Esau willingly surrendered the birthright to Jacob. And since Jacob possessed the birthright, the patriarchal blessing also belonged to him. The son with the birthright receives the blessing. Now, I've said this before, but my hope in our study 
here is to kind of rescue Jacob's reputation a little bit uh, from bad Bible teaching and from church history. Jacob is often portrayed as stealing the blessing from Esau. But the blessing belongs to Jacob because he has the birthright. He was given the birthright. So the blessing rightly belongs to him. He's not stealing the blessing. It's his. Plus, as I said, God revealed to Rebekah when she was pregnant that Jacob is the son of promise, not Esau, that the older will serve the younger. But what Isaac does is Isaac now attempts to give the patriarchal blessing to Esau instead of Jacob. Are you guys following me with this? Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, he'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So what's really happening in this chapter is Isaac is ignoring God's word that says Jacob will have the place of privilege over Esau. He's also ignoring the ungodliness and profaneness of his son Esau, which demonstrates that Esau is not patriarch material. Esau's not the one to carry on the Abrahamic covenant. He cares nothing for God. He's made that clear. And Isaac here is putting his desire above God's desire. He's putting what he wants above what God wants. Now, why does Isaac do that? Because Isaac loved Esau more, we're told in chapter 25. Now, why does Isaac love Esau more? Genesis chapter 25, verse 28 tells us, Because he ate of his game. Isaac loved Esau more because he liked the venison that Esau brought home from his hunting trips. And so Isaac is the one here who is circumventing what God wants, trying to. Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup, and Isaac was willing to disregard God's word for a venison dinner. (laughs) That's what's happening here in this chapter. Isaac put his love for his son above his love for God and God's word. In some ways, Isaac reminds me of Eli, the high priest in 1 Samuel. Remember Eli, he's got these two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and the two sons are scoundrels. Yet Eli allows them to serve in the tabernacle as priests. And God says to Eli, you honor your sons more than you honor me. That's what Isaac is doing here. He loves Esau. He loves Esau more. And he's honoring his son more than he's honoring God's word. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you love your son more than me, you're not worthy of me. If honoring your son, your child, is more important to you than honoring God's word, Jesus said you're not worthy 
of me. So now look at verse 1 of chapter 27. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. So he's old, he's blind, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and Esau answered, Here I am. And then he said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. By the way, none of us know the day of our death, but we all have an appointment with death. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. That's why it's important for you to put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation while you have the opportunity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, because nobody's promised tomorrow. And so we want to be right with the Lord while we have the chance to be. He goes on in verse 3. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. And again, he's talking about the patriarchal blessing, and Esau knows that. Now, this would have been the right time for Esau to say, well, actually, Dad, I gave the birthright to Jacob, and the blessing really belongs to Jacob, not to me. But Esau doesn't say that here. Esau realizes what Dad's doing. He's about to bestow the blessing on me. Even though I gave the birthright away, he's about to bestow the birthright blessing upon me. And Esau doesn't say anything. He just goes along with it. You know, Jacob, again, is often accused of stealing the blessing from Esau. But what we see here is Esau is stealing the blessing from Jacob because the blessing belongs to Jacob. So verse 5, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. Verse 6, so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. She knows that this is the patriarchal blessing. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you instead before his death. Now, note with me here, this was Rebecca's idea, not Jacob's. Again, Throughout church history, sadly, Jacob is portrayed in commentaries and pulpits as the deceiver in this chapter. That's not an accurate description of Jacob. It was Rebecca, Rebecca's idea to deceive her husband, and she dragged her son Jacob into the middle of it. And sadly, many parents drag their children into the middle of their disagreements and use their children against the other parent. And that can be so unhealthy and destructive to a family, as we see with this family. Now, deceiving Isaac wasn't Rebecca's only choice. 
you know, Rebecca had this promise from God. God had revealed to her that Jacob was the son of promise, that Jacob was the son that God chose. You know, Rebecca could have just trusted God's word. That's one thing she could have done is, is just believe God's promises and that God will honor his word. Or she could have gone directly to her husband and talk to him about what he was doing. I know that's a crazy idea to actually just communicate with your spouse, but she could have done that and just left Jacob, left the child out of this thing. You know, my wife and I celebrated our wedding anniversary yesterday. It was our 22nd wedding anniversary. And when we were newlyweds, we had only been married about six months, we took this marriage class at the church we attended. And the instructor, in one of the sessions, the instructor said something that has stuck with us throughout our whole marriage. He said, say it and say it straight in your marriage. Don't beat around the bush. Don't, you know, have like a double meaning. You know, express what you really think. Express what you really feel kind of thing. Say it and say it straight. And we still remember that to this day, and we still say that to each other. Say it and say it straight. You know, Rebecca could say it and say it straight to her husband, Isaac. She could do that. She could go to her husband and, you know, lovingly confront him about what he's doing here with this whole thing. She could have prayed, right? She could have just committed to praying for her husband and committed the matter to the Lord. She could have got some of her friends from church to commit to praying and fasting for her husband and what he's doing and intercede for her husband in prayer. Any one of these things would have been healthier than deceiving her husband and bringing her kid into the middle of that deception. But instead, Rebecca felt like she needed to use deception. And listen, give me your attention Lying and deceiving your spouse will never be the answer. It will never be the right answer. But this is what she does. This is how they do it in this family. Deception, lying, deceiving. Now look at Jacob's response to Rebekah's deceptive idea. In verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I'm a smooth-skinned man. (laughs) Perhaps, now watch what Jacob says. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Jacob doesn't want to be a deceiver. He doesn't want to deceive his father. Again, Jacob is often portrayed as this big deceiver. But Jacob objects to this idea saying, I don't want to seem to be a deceiver to dad. And so verse 13, but his mother said to him, well, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. Jacob's mother pressured him into doing this. And here's poor Jacob stuck between obeying his mother and deceiving his father. That's a terrible position to put a child in, no matter how old they may be. 
And again, some of you may be able to relate to this, where your parents have put you in just a very awkward situation. I want to honor my parents, I want to obey my parents, but at the same time, they're asking me to do something that I'm really uncomfortable doing. How do I navigate this? How do I honor my parents at the same time, honor the Lord? And then it can be tricky. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan is continuing to teach through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer requests with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll make sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Genesis. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Reach true.